What's up, everybody? This is DJ here with the Torres Podcast. We are talking about Backlash 2020. The pay-per-view kind of sucked. But anyways, I am joined today by Hector from the South Sids Podcast. Um, I'm just going to let Hector go ahead and introduce himself so we can get started because it's already late. And uh, I don't want to be here sitting super fucking tired. Hector, introduce yourself. Yo, DJ, none of this is, uh, I'm not getting any of what you're saying at all. So you can hear me, though? Can't hear me at all. What the hell? I, I couldn't hear anything you said. All right, how about now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, I can't hear you. Every sentence you say either gives me the last two words. It doesn't give me all of what you're saying. I need you to fix your, your computer, sir. How about now? Can you hear me now? Skype is being a dick right now. <laughs> so you can't hear me? Excuse us. Uh, we are having some technical difficulty here. Um, and it seems as if Hector's computer is not working. Hold Hector, on. yeah, can you hear me? Okay, now I can hear you. All right, well, I apologize for those technical difficulties, ladies and, and gentlemen. Okay, if you're trying to say something, now I can't. Hector, I need you to fix your computer. How about that? Let me run by my household real quick and turn off anything else that's attached to the Wi-Fi. See if maybe that's the problem. And Hector is going to step away for a bit. So as Hector steps away, ladies and gentlemen, I want to go over some stuff here real quick. I did not catch the first two matches of this show. The first two matches being the pre-show, because I don't watch the pre-show anymore. I think the pre-show is is a complete waste of time. Uh, Not to mention... They no longer do the Cruiserweight matches on the pre-show, so there's no point in watching them. Everyone knows that the pre-show matches were uh, Cruiserweight time, and because they don't do those anymore, because the Cruiserweights moved to NXT, there's no point in watching them. Um, However, on the pre-show, Apollo Crews faced Andrade, and he won by defending his United States title in 7 minutes and 25 seconds. I don't agree with Andrade losing so much, but hey, kudos to Apollo Crews for finally getting some kind of a decent push, even though it's probably about to end now that Paul Heyman is no longer in charge. Um, I don't know if Hector saw this match because Hector decided that he wanted to walk away with the computer because uh, uh, his stuff is like boo-boo, boo-boo-kachoo. So there's that. Take this off here. We're gonna actually turn off these damn subtitles. You know, I'm, I don't even know if you guys can hear me. Can you guys hear me? Let's see. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. All right. All right so, sounds like Hector's back. Hector, are you back? Okay, I'm back. I've turned off everything. I, th- I had my PS4 and my laptop connected, 
and my uh, switch on at the same time. So I had to turn off all that. You know, got to be rational with the Wi-Fi. Now you're coming clearly. So you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you clearly now. Like I get the feedback. All right. Well, I've already introduced myself. I've already gone over the first match. You're like super late. So I'm going to need you to go ahead and introduce yourself. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it is me, the HEC, host of the South Sibs Podcast and on various other projects. Follow me at official underscore HEC on Twitter. All right, so basically what I said was I did not catch the pre-show match, nor did I catch the women's tag team match. Those are the only two matches on this whole card that I didn't catch, so I've only got to see the la- the other five matches. Um, so I don't know if you saw the pre-show match. Uh, if you did, you can touch on that. But I'm pretty sure you saw the first, the, the triple threat match for the women's title. So if you want to touch on that too, you go ahead. Yeah, okay, I'd love to touch on that. So I kind of I rewatched the show because a uh, little background, you know, behind the curtain shit. I had my siblings hang out with me over the weekend, so we just rewatched the show because they had missed it. So I had rewatched the show all over again from beginning to end. So did not watch the pre-show because if it's on the pre-show, that's WWE telling us not to watch it. So <laughs> for the triple threat women's tag team match you know it was a decent solid match it was something you'd normally see on smackdown nothing too too special to take home about uh i kind of missed the episode of raw or smackdown where sasha banks and bailey had won the women's tag team titles i didn't even realize that had happened until i saw this uh, pay-per-view and even my sister said why why are they champions and i couldn't even answer that but Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, um, good good match. I've, nothing too, too special to brag about. Again, they're just trying to drive the whole, oh, Bailey is going to break up on Sasha, but Tom Phillips and I don't think it was Tom Phillips, but it was, uh, who's the one? Corey Graves. Corey Graves constantly just being annoying with the, oh, man, this, this unity is never going to break up. I hate when commentators sound like fucking idiots. And I'm going to complain about commentary throughout the entirety of this fucking card because the commentary was just annoying as hell to me. But within this match, uh, I really liked it. It was a pretty fun match, you know. I don't get why everybody shits on the Iconics. They're an actual tag team. I don't get why everybody goes with a makeshift tag team and shits on the Iconics. But, yeah, solid match. Uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks won after uh, Alexa Bliss hit her finisher, Twisted Bliss. On one of the Iconics, uh, Sasha Banks did a quick uh, small package or small pin, just last-minute pin. She wins. Now, an uh, interesting detail is when she goes to pick up the titles from the table, the first one she picks up is the uh, women's championship. Obviously, that's Bailey's, And then she picks up the tag team one, and then she gives them both to Bailey. So, again, they're teasing that it's inevitably going to happen. And, uh, yeah, that was the women's triple threat match. Awesome. Um, I also did not see the episode of Bailey and Sasha winning the belts. Uh, I knew they won because just because I read up on it, but like I don't watch Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Like, I don't watch anything as far as weekly goes. I only watch pay-per-views. Um, I do think Sasha and Bailey are definitely headed towards a fucking breakup with Sasha going babyface. Um, probably by SummerSlam, which I mean, yeah, that's whatever. It's cool. I hope. The only problem I see right now is that. Bliss and Cross are like two-time tag team champions, and then the Iconics have already been tag team champions, and Bailey and Sasha are two-time tag team champions. 
I think a team from NXT could definitely win the belts because like oh well um, there's nothing I, on the main roster. Something that I forgot to mention. Commentary put that whoever won this match they're on facing was gonna go they're facing a team on NXT on Wednesday. Yeah, so it's gonna be Sasha Banks and Bailey versus a team from uh, NXT, and that's gonna be on NXT. I think that will probably be a decent match because. NXT's rules are kind of a lot more lax. There's matches are different, but then again, Sasha and Bailey are like full roster members, so who knows how much risk they're really going to take for this match uh, coming up Wednesday. But I feel like that was going to be a good match coming up. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll lose them. I don't. I don't see them having a long time reign. But anyways, uh, the the next match, which is technically the first match that I saw, was Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. And this match went 16 minutes and 50 seconds, which was the second longest match on the card. It went twice as long as the Universal title and like three minutes longer than the actual WWE Championship match. So that's a fun fact there. Um, I think this was, let's see, one and two. So the two longest matches on the card were not for championships, so just keep that in mind, I guess. Uh, but Sheamus beat Jeff Hardy. Uh, I thought it was a really good match. I was really surprised on the cool. I really thought, like, I didn't see their first match, which is, like, in the Intercontinental title tournament or whatever. I, I didn't see that match. So, like, putting it, I, I, like putting them together, I really thought, I was like, eh, this feud's going to suck, which the feud kind of did suck with using Jeff Hardy's, like, real-life drug and alcohol problem i thought that was dumb uh they did that segment on friday where he was like the pissed on line where he threw apple juice on sheamus that's supposed to be piss i'm so surpri- i don't even know how jeff hardy pissed that much within a two second <laughs> time period first of all yeah, like, yeah. he's like the ultimate pisser it's His like when you take a piss nap. was so dark it looked like he was just on hella drugs and alcohol like it's like it's I like was like, come on, it's fucking apple juice. And the moment this that segment started, I was like, damn, they're gonna do like Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon and Shawn's I mean, Shawn threw the fucking piss on him. And I was like, oh, oh, there it goes, and it happened. And once he did that, I was like, okay, Sheamus is winning. You didn't uh, appreciate the hype package way. where it was in slow mo and you got to see all the fake piss go in Sheamus's mouth. Yeah, he was drinking apple juice. Sheamus was like, oh, give me some of that apple juice. <laughs> but uh, uh, do you yeah, know what I won? Okay, no, you want my honest opinions of this match? Good. So because of the fact that they were talking about all these drug issues and all the past issues, I seriously thought, and this was like the back of my mind, because there was like a five-second delay before Jeff Hardy came out to the ring, I was fully convinced in my mind that they were going to recreate Victory Road 2011. Really? <laughs> I thought Jeff Hardy was going to come out pretending to be fucked up and Sheamus was going to beat him quickly. I was literally thinking that that was the direction WWE was going to go. I was so glad that wasn't. But I, I, in my mind, when I had heard Jeff Hardy's music and they're showing the crowd and they just had the camera going towards the entrance and they didn't show Jeff Hardy coming out yet, I legitimately thought they were going to recreate Victory Road 2011 where he came all fucked up versus Sting. And it was only like a two-minute match. That's what I thought. So immediately... When Jeff Hardy walked down the ring sober, all expectations had been surpassed for this match. 
because you know with the uh, Pritchard writing, we don't know what the fuck we're gonna get. So uh, I was glad that that happened, but it was a solid match, good long distance. Uh, you got to hear the crowd talk. It's uh, funny because with the lack of an actual audience and all these indie people not knowing what the hell to chant, there's <laughs> there's a moment where they're chanting for Jeff Hardy, but they sound so uninterested. They're just going, Hardy, Hardy. They almost sound like they're about to go to sleep or some shit, or like they're going to sacrifice you to a cult. But other than that, it was a good, decent match. Uh, I don't know why Sheamus kept on referring to Jeff Hardy as a junkie in the promo video when Michael Cole called him an alcoholic on commentary. I don't... Uh, he's, he, he has a past addiction of drugs and... I don't know, it's a stupid storyline. Um, I, I don't know. The whole Jeff Hardy being framed for hitting Elias, and it's just all stupid. Vince McMahon... Sheamus and you face no legal was. consequences for that. He basically well, tried to... They let him off because they realized that it was Sheamus who really did it, but in, at the same time, why no, not... Just, get no consequences for that. Why not arrest Sheamus? Like, that... It's didn't make any fucking sense so i guess company policy allows you to attempt to kill elias and you get away with it baron corbin did it and god damn it so did sheamus well <clears throat> i see I, this. I was surprised that uh, i honestly thought this was going to be a quick program and that sheamus was going to lose so i was surprised to see sheamus win and the way how he won too with the broad kick on the outside throw him in the inside Wait for him to get up and then hit him with a second broad kick and then get the pin. So I was surprised, honestly, that uh, Sheamus had won this one. I kind of thought this was going to be a quick one-and-done feud. Uh, I, I was uh, surprised, honestly. But, you know, the magic of 50-50 booking. Well, they got to kill time until SummerSlam, so. Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing. Hold on. Uh, same. Remember how I said I was going to complain about commentary for the entire fucking card? This is the one where I got annoyed by commentary. Because Corey Graves continuously sells it or talks about it as, oh, man, Jeff Hardy's going to get his ass whooped. After, like, three minutes, guys, I'm surprised Jeff Hardy still has the energy to keep going. Or, oh, man, I'm surprised that Jeff Hardy has – it's like he says something and then gets surprised two minutes after when the most obvious shit happens. And I just – I don't know. And it's weird because if you listen after the bell, the man's poised. He knows what he's talking about. So I don't know if he's getting fed these lines or if we think that that's going to add to the match. But it gets annoying time and time again when uh, you're just saying, oh, da-da-da-da-da, or oh, you're saying something and then pretending that you're surprised that you were proven wrong so quickly. You know, not after us. He didn't say it at the beginning of the match and then towards the end of the match be like, oh, I'm still surprised he didn't think. No, he said it in the middle and then said it towards the end, and it just annoys the shit out of me. I don't don't know why. Maybe because I have an interesting commentary, but it, it just gets annoying. Another thing that I wanted to point out, though, is that Michael Cole, uh, before this match began, says, we don't know what consequences could happen once if Jeff Hardy loses this match. So I'm curious to see come Friday, because I, I don't got to work go to work till 10. So I'm curious to see Friday what they're going to do. And if I see Jeff Hardy coming out to the ring, limping, and redoing Victory Road 11, 2011, I will not be surprised. I'm telling you, I'm calling it, within this year, we're going to see Jeff Hardy recreate Victory Road 2011. Except instead of Sting, it's going to be somebody else. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think so. I, Would you put I, it past I, WWE to do that shit? 
I, yeah, I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they'll try to rip okay, off. Okay, when it ha- I, how much you want to put another? Want to put I, another I, ten piece on this? We can do that. I, I mean, if you want to lose, I... audience, if you want to know what I'm talking about, there was a bet that we made over Edge's return, and I had lost that bet, and the bet was for a ten piece wings. So all right, I'll put it by the ten piece. We're gonna get a Jeff Hardy recreating either a relapse or if not recreating Victory Road 2011. No, I don't see it. I see Jeff just – I see the feud moving into Extreme Rules, Jeff winning. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if I see – because, like, who who is there to, to challenge Braun Strowman? Like, after this match, my immediate thought was Sheamus because uh, I don't know if they're going to go back to doing The Fiend because he's, like, out with, like, having a kid or something. So, like, if not him, then it has to be Sheamus. So, like – does Jeff just get fucking made fun of the whole feud only to end up losing? Or does Jeff challenge Braun? Or do we get a multi-man against Braun? Because SmackDown ain't got nobody to face Braun. Like, no one. My God, Unless you're... they do Baron Corbin, which yeah, I that's where it's, that's really where hope at. not. I really hope they don't go that route. I think they're going to go Corbin route, man. Oh my god, I would be so disappointed if they went back to that because it's going the Corbin route. I mean, there's nothing else you could do big name wise. They don't have that many big names. I'm surprised they got rid of Kane Velasquez that goddamn quickly. So I don't know what they're gonna be doing for SmackDown because you're right, SmackDown doesn't really have that much star power unless you have another champion versus champion match where you're gonna get Styles versus Strowman, but then that doesn't seem like it'll be good. Because of just the styles difference differences, you know? Yeah, like, I was looking at Braun move during his match on his car, and I was like, Man, dude, he can't keep up. Anyways, we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk about this damn poor-ass Jax versus Asuka match. And I love Asuka, but, man, Nia Jax is just... She's really not that good. It's like, I think, I think the only matches I've liked of Nia... She did a match with Bailey. I, I don't know if it was Bailey in NXT. Well, I think it was Bailey when Bailey was champion. And then she did a few matches. Her first few matches with Asuka a few years ago were good. And then she had that match with Ronda that was really good. But like other than that, her matches suck. She just goes in there and, and fucking injures people. Like, her match is fucking terrible. But. This match went 8 minutes, 25 seconds. Thankfully, Asuka didn't get hurt the whole fucking match. Uh, it ended by double DQ. Honestly, I didn't even see the way this match ended. I like went I to the it. kitchen it to was... get some food, and I was like, I heard a 10 count, and I was like, oh, okay. And I saw Asuka in the ring, so I was like, oh, Asuka beat her by count out. And they're like, no, it was double, de- double count out. And I was like... What the fuck? Who booked no, it, it was double count out, but then immediately, because they're fighting on the outside, uh, then immediately, Oscar, after the referee counts 10, Oscar attacks. Oscar, no, Oscar immediately runs into the ring, yells at the ref, gets mad after the announcement, and then just continues to attack Nijax afterwards, which to me made uh, Oscar look stupid as fuck because, oh, well, you could have just ran in and won and just one by count out i don't get why you have to be double dq i mean would you rather lose by double d or by double count out or by not running back in 
And it just makes no sense to me. It started off interesting when Asuka had put that lock on, on, uh, what's her, when she put that lock on Nia Jax really quickly at the beginning of the match, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. But the way how it ended, it annoyed me because I was kind of really hoping that Asuka would win this match and that that'd be a, the end of this feud. But I know when that shit happens, we get a continuation. And then sure enough, I mean, the night afterwards, that's what ended up happening. Yeah, and that ended by a fast count. What? So, so, oh, so, so Nia pushed the damn referee down, and the referee got mad. He was he was literally about to DQ Nia, and it, it made no sense. Instead of DQing her, he goes over. He goes. He 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 walks over to the to the corner. He's he's about to ring the bell, and then I guess he feels the ring rumble because. Oscar rolls Nia up, so he instantly turns around and does a fast three count. You and it's like, it's like, dude, you're just gonna DQ her. What, what, what just happened? So now, now Nia can complain. Oh, well, the referee fast counted, so now I get another shot at the title. Hey, hey, hey! You know what referee wouldn't fast count? Mike fucking Kyoto. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He got a, he did get released. I totally forgot about that. Rehire my, rehire my boy, Mike Kyoto. Mike Kyoto would have let that shit slide. <laughs> you thought I was gonna say Mario Yamasaki? <laughs> nah, Mario Yamasaki, Mario Yamasaki doesn't stop a Nia Jax match. He lets it continue. <laughs> he likes Nia Jax. <laughs> she so, yeah, so this match was pointless. It's is all a placeholder until Charlotte gets the belt back, which. God damn it. Ugh, I, I don't understand. I really don't understand the fascination they have. Like, she is good. I understand that part. But, in my opinion, Asuka and Sasha are better than her. In my opinion. And I guess because Becky's gone, they need somebody in that top spot. The only different, the only thing is like no one knows if well, we treat charlotte like she's a heel because no one likes her but like wwe at one time they'll treat her as a face and then they'll treat her as a heel and then they'll treat her as a face and they'll treat her as a heel and it makes no fucking sense and then on top of that where the hell is Shayna baszler i have no idea she kind of disappeared yeah like, vince is just he's so out of touch i don't understand it yeah, let me tell you. Let me tell you how this Oscar versus Nia Jax feud is gonna end. All right, let me let me tell you how it's gonna get. It's gonna be Survivor Series. Nia Jax is gonna put Oscar in the fucking Oscar lock. Vince is gonna have the ref ring the damn bell, and there we go. Nia Jax is champion. <laughs> I know his fascination with her because of her fucking family, but I don't know. This dude has a has a fucking hard on for like the Samoan lineage or something i'm wrong with that dude but it's good shit yeah (laughs) all right so we'll move on to the two-on-one handicap match for the universal title um that went seven minutes and 20 seconds guys just think about that so braun beat goldberg at wrestlemania with like five moves i think the match went like three minutes or some shit like that yeah. And then he faced Bron- uh, Bray 
<clears throat> Money in the Bank. I didn't watch Money in the Bank. I only saw the actual Money in the Bank match, which was poo. But he beat yeah, Bray. I saw, I saw that at, match. You, you said it again? I saw that match. The, the way how Braun actually won that match was actually smart, if you think about it. Uh, but the thing was, I thought that it was going to lead to another match with The Fiend. Because when Bray Wyatt went against Strowman, he went against Strowman as himself. As a, uh, the Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt. So when the way how Braun Strowman tricked him is Braun Strowman, like towards the end of the match, puts on the, blast ma- uh, the black mask, does the same movements that he was doing as when he was a part of the Wyatt family, but then at the end just picks him up and power slams him. So it makes sense and i thought that that would make the fiend come back more vicious because now the good side of bray wyatt has been gullible naive fell for something and now he's going to come back more vicious as the fiend more pissed off than ever because he fell for something but then i don't know what happened to bray wyatt so i I guess you had specified what happened to him i didn't know all i know is just all of a sudden he just like kind of disappeared i thought maybe he caught like the mumps again or some shit no yeah, yeah yeah um the the plan the uh, from what I was reading and from what everybody was reporting on was that he beat he's he was gonna beat Bray as the Mister Rogers character and then Bray was supposed to beat him uh, as the Fiend at Backlash so Bray would get the belt back and like that would knock Braun out of the title picture um, and open up more spots for other people to face Bray or whatever uh, but Bray had his kids so. That just kind of went out of the window. Uh, apparently, Braun is just supposed was uh, supposed to be a transitional champion. I mean, it could still definitely happen, of course. Um, I don't hate Braun Strowman, but I think he should have been champion back in 2016 when they had like the fucking. The heavyweight division on Raw was like at its peak when they had Brock, Joe, Roman, Braun, Lashley, Corbin. Like they had, they Raw legit had all the fucking yeah. heavyweights, right? And they were doing really good with the heavyweight storyline, surprisingly, uh, especially with Brock and Joe and then Brock and Braun and all that shit. But of course, the main goal was always Brock right. and Roman. Um, yeah. And then, of course, they killed Braun again at the Saudi Arabia show. And then they killed him again in a triple threat match. And they just fucking kept killing him. And it was, like, ridiculous. And at that point, like, I was just like, I don't even care for this dude to be champion anymore. Right? Like, in my opinion, when he won, and I was in the audience that day, and it's so fucking crazy. I remember going to WrestleMania, and I was, everyone was like, oh, who do you guys think is going to be Braun's partner? And I remember joking i was fucking joking i said how much do you guys want to bet that braun picks a kid out of the crowd i was joking <laughs> and, and everybody was like everybody's like yeah ha, ha, yeah wwe probably would pull some shit like that and i was like i was like yeah they would but now nah, i'm just playing and when he said oh my fucking partner's gonna be someone in the crowd i looked at my brother-in-law and i was like dude I was fucking joking because he asked me, he was like, oh, you knew. And I was like, no, I didn't. I fucking said it as a joke because I thought I was joking. And then he fucking picked the the kid, the the, the referee's kid. And I was like, all right, now you've entered Big Show territory. You're the big guy who they just use for fucking laughs and comedy. 
and to flip shit over and to not win the world title. And then, of course, he beats Goldberg just because they needed a replacement. And so, like, up until this match, I forgot Braun was even the fucking champion. Like, I forgot he had the match with Bray. I even forgot Otis was the fucking money in the briefcase, money in the bank briefcase uh, holder. And I honestly, at one point, I was like, dang, did somebody cash in the briefcase on Braun already? But nope, he's he's still champion. And I'll be honest, this match, like with Miz, first off, Miz and Morrison did a fantastic job with their uh, <laughs> with their new music video. Okay, I just want to throw, throw it out there. Okay, I enjoyed so you, it. So did you know why that shit bothered me though, right? No. Okay, well, outside of wrestling, currently, let's just let me paint this picture for your audience. There's currently a shit ton of protest going on, and there's currently a lot of things going on there's a lot of protests uh and a lot of protests use the chant hey hey ho ho blank 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 has got to go and they're either referring to racist police uh, certain officers in fact it was getting chanted at seattle when that whole takeover should happen uh now uh so when i had heard that i was just kind of annoyed by that because i was just like either they know what they're doing or they don't know and they didn't have nobody else to pull them to the side and tell them yo um you might want to not do that or scrap that because I, I like i had tweeted about it and i know like two friends text me afterwards uh just like hey man I, I was like are you sure are you all right with are you all right and i was like look i was fine watching the show it just annoyed the shit out of me that they would try to use one of the current chants that's going on because of these protests going on outside of wrestling and try to incorporate it into like a fun song and shit. And if it was just a regular song talking shit about Ron Strowman, I would have enjoyed it. I would have loved it. I mean, the lyrics to the song are, you know, it's funny, it's hilarious, it's whatever. But outside of the chorus, had they just changed that chorus, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But because of the chorus, I was just like, either they did this and they're tone deaf. Like, I'm not I'm going to accuse anybody of being racist out here, but it just seemed very tone deaf as to what's going on outside of wrestling and that that was just my only problem with it that was my only problem with it you know, was i gonna be like highly pissed off the whole day no but i just it slightly bothered me i was like what what the fuck what the fuck wwe that was my only problem with it especially because you have like uh at nxt in your house you have keith lee with the black lives matter uh attire and then that episode of smackdown where you have the new day taking a knee you kind of figured somebody would just like let Miz and Morrison know, hey, maybe you might want to sing something else in the chorus-wise. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, the build-up to this fucking feud was stupid, too, where all of a sudden Morrison and Miz become YouTube wait, friends. Wait, 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 wait. What, what was their chorus? It was like, hey, 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 ho, ho, uh, Braun Strowman as champion has got to go. So why did that, why did that offend you? It didn't offend, but it just bothered me because of the fact that in real life, they, that is one of the many chants that happens. And normally they're either saying a certain police officer or they're saying a certain individual's thing. Uh, I know the Seattle video that's currently going on, those protests, they're saying like the mayor or somebody. Basically, you say somebody who's in the position of power of the situation and you're telling them that they got to go. Like I know the one in Houston, because uh, I had went to that one, it was right. – Racist but, cops have got to go, but it's but a. That's what Miz and Morrison were singing before any of this happened. 
the moment uh, the moment Morrison came back. Uh, I don't know, bro. I don't know, bro. I feel like I feel like it was kind of toned it. I don't think they did that shit on purpose, but it was just like a kind of y'all, y'all could have probably changed it up a little bit. But like I said, it's not it's not the end all be all for me, you know. I mean, I understand, but like at the same time, it's kind of like. It was what they were doing as soon as Morrison came back. So, I mean, I don't know. You can't really blame them. You can't really blame anyone in that in the company um, for not having them change the lyrics. Just I I I, I don't know. It's just because it was the lyrics they were using already before okay, everybody sure. before all this shit happened. But I understand where you're coming from. But yeah, um, yeah that's. Because I, I didn't know, I, I didn't like pay that much attention. So if it was pre-established, then on my part, then that's on me. My my apologies. I mean, I can see why that tweet kind of just was a dead tweet. I'm not going to take it down because it's fucking cowardice to do. No, I left my opinion. I had it at the time. It's going to stay there. But other than that, let's talk about the buildup in itself to this match. Man, I don't even know what the buildup was to this match. I, all I know is one day I just like, let me turn on SmackDown. And I saw Braun arguing with Miz and Morrison, and I was like, oh no, this is going to be the world title match, and they announced it as a handicap match, and I was like, well, I'm tuned the fuck out, and I have not seen anything else of it, so okay. if you know the whole build, go ahead and take it away. The one build, okay, so in regards to build, what happened on SmackDown was, this is weird, they crammed it into one episode of SmackDown, because the way how SmackDown was, the build-up to this pay-per-view was the weakest out anywhere. It would just be like, hey, we're going to dedicate one episode to like one feud of the match so that way by the end of it we could have a full card like i forgot that lashley versus mcintyre took place on this card because of the random shit that they were doing so this one episode morrison and the miz decide to oh we're going to make braun Strowman's life a living hell and basically they were just doing lame lame youtube prank shit which i guess is what they were trying to go for like they got one moment where they're trying to pull like a carry and slime uh braun Strowman, but they miss and they hit like the interview chick uh but they're in a car in a van they're doing all these pranks and of course they're in a van as soon as they were in a van doing these pranks and not anywhere else i knew what the fuck was gonna happen so they do a prank and then their other quote-unquote prank was just to take weapons and just fuck up braun Strowman's car so that was it. So you know he brought his car. His car got fucked up again, and they fuck up his car. And they're in a van and they're pranking him and they're laughing. And then oh, out comes Ron Strowman pissed. They fucked up his car. He sees that they're in a van. Somebody uh, tips him off, lets him know where they're at, and then he just flips up. And it's not another wrestler who tips him off. It's just some random stagehand in the back who just like pulls his Takashi six nine and snitches on where Ms. Morrison are. So then. In the prank van, which is kind of like decked out to look like this kind of like FBI investigation van. So, of course, he gets pissed, gets towards it, and he does the Strowman thing of flipping a car over. Which was impressive the first time, and then just lame as fuck every other time since. Actually, no. Actually, no. It was was impressive when he flipped over that ambulance with fucking Roman in it. But that's because Roman was in it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I don't I don't know why they why they keep going back to that shit. Like 
stop it. Yeah, and then at the last minute, at the last minute in the pre-show, like I didn't see the match that took place in the pre-show, but I had heard the announcement in the pre-show that, oh, by the way, day of, it's going to be a handicap match for the title, but whoever gets the pin is whoever becomes the champion. And I think they literally just did that at the last minute so they can come up with the finish that they came up with. You said whoever whoever does the pin. Well, I thought that was the rules already anyway. Like, I always thought every kind of handicap. I, I think handicap matches or tag team matches for the main title or a main title is retarded. Like, I think the only match that I found that it worked in, and they tried to recreate that years later, but was the rock when it was Rock and Taker and Kane versus Triple H, McMahon or Vince and, and Shane uh, at King of the Ring and the Rock pin Vince to win the belt. Um, I mean, I think they did it again in 2009 where it was Batista, Triple H and Shane versus Legacy. And I want to say Randy Orton ended up winning the title in that match. And I think those are like the really only two times that I can recall them happening. And the only time that I liked it was the first time. After that, it shouldn't have happened. Like, well, they had, the, they had the two, the two on one versus Stone Cold way beforehand. It was Kane and Undertaker versus Stone Cold. And both of them pinned uh, Stone Cold to oh, get the yeah. title. I remember for- that. That's right. Yeah. And that led. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I don't know. I, I don't. <laughs> I think handicap matches and tag matches for the 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 WWE Championship, or I guess in this case the Universe Title, is just retarded. Uh, and the whole match was pretty. Braun getting his ass beat, and then he hit a few moves and won. And it was when like, they uh, said this, when they said this, I had known what was gonna happen. As soon as they made that announcement, as soon as they, as soon as WWE has to respecify the rules, that normally lets you know, hey, this is gonna be the finish. So it's just like as soon as they said, oh, whoever gets the pin, I was like, okay, it's going to lead to Morrison and Miz breaking up. Uh, And I even said, I even said it was going to be Morrison who made the pin and then Miz who breaks it up because, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I had joked with uh, someone who I watched wrestling with in, who watched wrestling with me in high school. I had joked, Vince McMahon loves Andre the Giant so much. That he'll never let another big person get over. I, and that seems to be fucking true. <laughs> Ever since Andre, if you're tall and you're working, fuck you. That's Vince's, that's Vince's tribute to Andre. Nobody big can ever get over again. I feel bad for that fucking big ass ninja because he's, he's not getting And it's it. crazy because, like, when I look at Braun, I'm like, okay, Braun's champion. What's a believable match for Braun? Like, not AJ, because AJ's so small, right? And, like, there's nothing wrong with that. AJ can probably wrestle circles around Braun. Not Brian, because Brian's small. Not Gulag, because Gulag's small. Not fucking, I don't even know who else is on SmackDown. I would say Jeff Hardy, but compared to Braun, Jeff Hardy's fucking small, you know? Um,. That's the thing. That's the problem with booking giants. It's kind of what people say is the Superman curse, which is ironic because he has Superman tattooed on him, where he's so fucking powerful that it kind of loses interest. You know, you kind of lose interest in any fight scenes or any, like, things in which his credibility comes into play because he's too powerful. 
realistically, I mean, kayfabe. Was, that, a fucking face. If Braun was a heel, he'd be so much more interesting. Kayfabe wise, it it gets kind of annoying because of the fact that I mean, this is the man who could flip fucking vehicles without ease. I, I don't see anybody he could legit have like a big feud with because there has to be somebody like equal to his stature. And I know the only person who was equal to his stature who he's had a match with was fucking Tyson Fury. Oh, God. Let's hope they don't do that again. Let's hope. But, you know, so, like, like I said, in memoriam of Andre the Giant, Vince said, I'm never going to let another giant get over. And you well, know what? He's sticking now they're doing this. the whole brand invitation thing or whatever. I mean, I guess Lashley could technically say, hey, I didn't win the WWE title, but I'll go over to SmackDown and beat Braun for the Universal title and then move to Smack. By the way, they never said who they traded over to Raw for AJ. I just want to throw it out there. AJ was traded to SmackDown, and they were like, oh, well, uh, they're going to name the, the, the wrestlers that he was traded for uh, soon, and like, it was never announced. I can so, tell you who it was. It was a uh, 52-time WWE World Champion vacant. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it, they just, I don't Shout know. Vacant on Twitter, man. That motherfucker makes me laugh. But anyways, Braun can face Sheamus, Lashley. Uh, maybe they'll bring Goldberg back. Maybe they'll do Undertaker just to do it. Maybe they can do. Oh God, I'm gonna hate to say this, but maybe they'll bring Triple H in and follow up on their 2017 storyline that went nowhere. Yeah. Well, my question is, um, how long do you think we're gonna get? Who breaks up their friendship first, Miz and Morrison or Bailey and Sasha Banks? Bailey and Sasha. You think Bailey and Sasha is gonna be before Miz and Morrison? Yeah. Even I don't see Miz and Morrison breaking up. I, I think want Vince, them to break Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon, be himself. Vince McMahon once said that Morrison looks like a guy who cannot win a street fight. On top of that, I mean he's not wrong, but yeah. <laughs> on on top of that, Morrison was letting Molina fuck the whole entire locker room. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. He he, he was living the cook storyline in real life. Yes, and it <laughs> Vince McMahon the wrong way, which is probably why he said Morrison looks like he's a guy who can't win a real fight. So he rubbed Vince McMahon the wrong way. Therefore, he like has no faith in Morrison. I don't know if that's if he still has no faith in him, but back then he had no faith in Morrison because of those those two issues. Dude, I just see him staying with Miz for the rest of his run until he's gonna be done with WWE for good. Or with wrestling for good. If Morrison would have married Melina, he would have been this generation's Chris Candido. Dang. And Melina's still looking good. I haven't seen photos of Melina recently. She is on on NWA Power. All right, well, you know what? This is a uh, a podcast, so they can't see the pictures anyway. So y'all motherfuckers Google that. And then just tag me in a tweet. At official underscore HEC. Okay, but now... The next match, god damn it. Yeah, so the next match was for the WWE Championship. The match went 13 minutes and 15 seconds. I ain't gonna lie. The match kind of felt like longer than that, and I don't know if it's because I was enjoying it, but this was a really good This was a good match. match, and the ending pissed me off so and much. 
I am not the hugest Bobby. Like, Bobby Lashley has his whole fan base. I understand that. The Guy did MMA. Brock Lesnar did MMA. People want that match. But let's be real. The real dream match in all of professional not, wrestling not and people. MMA. I want that match. I want that Lashley no. versus Lesnar MMA fight. I've the told real, you this for days. Stop, stop it. The, the real dream match is Bobby Lashley versus Jake Hager. Okay, guys? That is the real dream match. Bobby Lashley could fucking rape Jake Hager in yeah, the I middle think, of the goddamn I think, cage. I think AEW... I think AEW got the got the short see, end of the stick when it comes to MMA you, fighters. Like, did you see who Jake Hager fucking? Did you see Jake Hager's one and only opponent? Jake Jake's beating up fucking gas station bums and kneeing people in the dick and shit. Like, he's beating up motherfuckers from Home Depot. All right, that's who he's beating up. All right, gotta go sit the fuck down. Actually, has the better MMA record than Lesnar. Now, granted, he hasn't faced the opponents on. Lesnar caliber, but still, give us a shoot fight between them. Fuck it, I will. E- I will even fucking beg the prince of Saudi Arabia to request that shit so we can get that fucking fight to happen. Because apparently, the only fucking booker who's actually booking interesting shows nowadays is a fucking dictator. Oh god. I, I don't know. I'm not. Like I said, I'm. I was never. I like Bobby Lashley. Like so, Bobby Lashley's first run. I liked him, right? Up until he was booked and and this has nothing and it's not his fault, it's booking's fault. He was booked to face Booker T for the world title. And instead of giving him the one on one match, they ended up changing it to a fatal four way because Batista ended up coming back from like injury or something. Yeah, he came out. So they're like, oh, well, we gotta fucking put Batista into, and this is what made me hate Batista on the cool was that he took the the opportunity away from Lashley, but then at the same time it was like, ah, well, I guess Lashley just wasn't that good, right? And so then they moved Lashley to ECW and he won the ECW title, and at that time I was like, nope, I don't want Lashley to win the ECW title. I want CM Punk to win the ECW title. And but you know Lashley how, ended how'd up. How did you feel when Lashley lost it to Do Rag Vince? Uh, it didn't bother me. I didn't care. EC, dude, at that ECW was a fucking joke, and everyone knew it. So I know the e, like there was like backstage reports of like the ECW originals being like legit mad, and like all the ECW fans were fucking pissed, and yeah. And I'm like, dude, WWE ECW is fucking joke. Does not matter. That title wasn't even a world title it was like a fucking low it wasn't even mid card it was a fucking low card title like that's how bad that belt got so it didn't bother me like Vince McMahon ain't, whatever I don't give a fuck you know Vince McMahon's Pure. fucking man he's the man anyway he can be whatever Vince McMahon can say and do whatever the fuck he wants and I'm still gonna be like nah I forgive you you know what I'm, I'm glad I'm still glad that in this climate WWE has enough common sense not to bring up the fucking Donald Trump affiliation with Bobby Lashley. Well, when Donald Trump was first uh, appointed president, you know Vince McMahon made it a rule for them for anybody employed by him to not mention Donald Trump. So, and that's just because he saw the backlash Trump was getting and was just like, we will never mention Trump. Uh, just mm-hmm. just because he didn't want to. He didn't want to offend anyone or whatever, so I mean, hey, kudos to him. But anyways, back back to this match. Oh, um, back to this match. 
No, this match actually was this match was what the matches that I had missed as a kid where it would be two believable strong looking motherfuckers going at it. It was a good solid match. Some of the shit didn't look pretty, but that's okay cuz wrestling does not need to fucking look pretty all the time. Wrestling does not need wrestling to look needs pretty. Look rough. Wrestling needs to look fucking dirty and grimy and rough and rugged. Like, we're not saying botch all the time before motherfuckers bring up Nia Jax. And when Nia Jax is legitimately fucking people up and it doesn't look good and it doesn't even look like believable in a match wise. It just looks like, oh my god, this woman's fucking up and this woman looks discoordinated. However, this match right here with the bumps that they were taking and the moves that they were giving each other, they look gruff as hell. But ultimately we know that, okay, they know what the hell they're doing. But still, it had the illusion of being rough, brutal, and no legit injuries. But it was a beautiful-looking, strong match. I loved everything about it. Yeah, there was a there was a spot on the outside. I think Lashley was going to try to spear McIntyre through the barricade. And like, McIntyre caught him, and he did a belly-to-belly. And I, it looked, to me, it looked like Lashley was supposed to go over the barricade into the timekeeper's area. But I don't know if... McIntyre didn't throw him hard enough or if Lashley just didn't get enough jump uh but instead of going over he like hit the barricade instead but it kind of once he hit the barricade it looked like he tried to push more force into himself to go over but it just didn't work and I was like that even though that was a botch that looked fucking good because it just looks like hey fuck it I'm gonna kill this dude regardless I'm just gonna throw him I don't give a fuck and like I hate acrobatic fucking I want to get all my moves in let me do this flip here and then let me land on my feet here and then we'll pretend to drop kick each other and we'll come to a stalemate and strike a fucking martial arts pose like we're in Dragon Ball and I'm like (laughs) it's like dude I don't want to see you guys do fucking synchronized swimming or cheerleading I I want to see y'all fucking wrestle. I don't want to see you do 10 million flips or I'm trying to do a jack off Meltzer match where you're just trying to get five stars. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to see. I want to see something that looks rough, rugged, fucking dirty, and I want to like even the the fucking sets, like the raw sets and all that. They look. I, I hate them. It looks believable as a fight. It looks believable. It looks rough. It looks tough. It looks beast. And that's what it is. That's what you get. What's called like a Haas match where two big guys going against it. But this one was a good one. And what I most loved about this is I fucking loved MVP's role in this match because he wasn't that manager who tried to physically interfere all the time. He wasn't that manager who was just sitting there at ringside trying to talk to the crowd. No, he was talking in a match. He was directly talking to Lashley and he sounded like a believable coach. He was doing... What I'm assuming AEW wanted to do with Arn Anderson and Cody, no. But MVP did that shit a lot better where he was saying, he, oh, no, get he, up. Or you can get up from that. Or, oh, watch out for this. Or, oh, he's counting down. Watch out. Or hit him with something stronger. Or hit him with something that he can't kick out of. Shit like that. He definitely learned. He definitely learned from Paul Heyman. Shit like that is what made him amazing. If you would have told me that in fucking 2020 – one of my favorite fucking wrestling characters would be MVP. I'd be fucking questioning you. But you know what? 2020 has been a weird-ass year. But I really love this match. And honestly, when fucking McIntyre won, I was kind of disappointed that Lashley didn't get the strap. Because this was just a really good-ass match. 
It really was. It really was. I don't know. I wasn't disappointed only because I feel like I I I think they're building to him and Randy Orton. And I mean, that's why I wasn't disappointed. I think him and Orton could put on a, a really good match. So, I mean, if Lashley would have won, like who who's there to, for Lashley to face? It's the same thing with Strowman. Like who is there? A rematch with Drew or the match with Brock that everybody wants that probably is never going to happen. You know, so like who who is for that? Who's you know what? Not, who's you know what? there for Lashley to face? You know when that fucking Lashley versus Lesnar match will take place? Never. No, no, it's going to take place 10 years from now in Bellator. To take t- ten to fifteen years from now in Bellator, we'll get Lashley versus Lesnar. Oh, that 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 could definitely happen. Fucking when, when nobody wants to see it anymore. Bellator signs signs everyone, you know. So, anyways, let's 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 move this on. Uh, I uh, again, so Lashley and McIntyre was like. One of my favorite matches. Now, of the what'd night. you think about the ending? What'd you think about the ending? Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to touch on. I, that's totally slipped my mind. I hated the ending. I, I, when Lana walked out there, I was like, "Fuck!" I was like, I think everybody collectively said "fuck" at the same time when Lana walked out because we knew what was gonna happen. I was like, "This was such a good match," and they're gonna have Lana ruin it. And she stood on the apron. I was like, "Okay, they're gonna do the spot where Lashley knocks her down or whatever." <clears throat> And it was such a weak knockdown. Like, he barely touched her. She fell back. You know, whatever. Her acting is just terrible. What was funny about it is even the camera, after he knocked her down, zooms in on his face, zooms in on, and it pans to Lana down on the floor. But you could hear the sound of Drew hitting the Claymore. So you don't even get to see the finish clearly. You just see, you hear the one, and then it cuts to Drew already on top of Lashley. And that is one, two, three. So even the way how it was shot was kind of janky, which I'm assuming that's the match that was live. But still, I mean, come on now. They're they're all about those fucking facial expressions, aren't they? Make sure you get this facial expression. I hate when they're showing the facial expressions of of the quote-unquote crowd. That's basically soon-to-be fucking NXT talent. It's like, don't show us these fucking people. Why are y'all so obsessed with crowd shots, goddammit? I mean, now, according to the way the how, same shit. Now, the way how Wikipedia shows this is it's skipping, obviously, the great match, the greatest match on here. We don't even get a time stamp for it or anything. But after yeah, match, I, I was just going to say got, that. Uh, uh, this wasn't even a match. I don't want to talk too much on this because like, it was. I want to talk to about this. We're talking about this, guys. So. We've got – it was supposed to be the Viking Raiders versus the Street Profits for the, the tag team titles. Um, if you watch wrestling and you just don't – I again, I don't watch the weekly shows, but I read about them. And apparently these two teams have been in, like, weekly competitions, <clears throat> and they're, like, tied, and this was supposed to be a tiebreaker, which was them facing off for the tag titles. They – all fucking show up and it's shot cinematic style uh they like show up with golf clubs and fucking shields and bowling balls and whatever everything that references the previous competitions that they had against each other yeah it's 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 stupid and then within these matches 
we get the same shit that they did with uh, Liv Morgan, or not Liv Morgan, uh, Mandy Rose on SmackDown, where WWE's production is so on point, we could see people's fucking minds and see what plays out in their minds. So we get to even see flashbacks, just in case for regulars like you, DJ, who didn't watch and didn't catch the references. So we get those dream sequences where they're just basically flashing back to why they have the shit that they have. So they're going through that. They're fighting each other. Um, then within that's where you get the flashbacks of the golf courts or the uh, girls calling one of the Viking Raiders cute, but the other one not so much. And they were just switching it up time and time. And then they're fighting, they're fighting. Uh, they go through a window. Somebody uh, crashes. Well, they... well, first, the way how this begins is, so as soon as this happened earlier in the match to establish it, there's a saying in acting or in screenwriting called Chekhov's gun, where if a gun's in the first act, in, in display in the first act, it shall be used to act down the line. Well, or that's the gist of it. I don't. But anyways, so as soon as I had saw Strowman park his car, I kind of figured they're not going to show us that for no fucking reason. Something's going to happen to his car. Sure enough, when the beginning of this fight happens, because they say, oh, oh, well, we were supposed to have a match, but looks like something's going off. I don't know why WWE can't even kayfabe us now. They take off the live from the corner, so you know it's not live. It's, it's a cinematic thing. As soon as music kicks in, you're just like, oh, shit. Okay, we're getting another one of these. I don't know. Yeah, they had fucking music. Oh, God, this stupid. They had the music kick in, and um, what's the fucking guy's name? Someone said you should put down the weapons and fight like men. They start fucking fighting and shit. They fucking roll the bowling ball into um, one of the street profits. uh, is nuts and then they fight 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 go through the glass then they're like oh why'd you really bully me it's just like oh because you have the golf clubs blah blah, blah. And they're arguing back and forth and shit and then they're like they step out of the building. motorcycles because he well no they step out of the building and then he's like let's take it outside let's take it outside and they say well we're already outside what is and he's like man check on your boy but anyways, he grabs them for us. It's like, let's finish this. Let's finish this. And all of a sudden, we hear motorcycles reveling and shit. Now, when I had saw somebody pull up, I didn't know. Hindsight, watching it again, I was like, okay, yeah, I can tell by the facial expressions now and from the visor. But I thought WWE was going to debut, like, some new talent that way. Because they had yeah. some yeah. weird – they had, like, a bunch of people pull up. I didn't even notice it was ninjas at first because they just – it's a bunch of motorcycles and a bunch of people wrapped in clothing. And then as soon as the helmet comes off, I was like, why are they trying to make it a mystery person? So I thought, oh, okay, what's well, a mystery person? Who's going to be? Just I curious. really knew it was Tozawa. I did not. I did if not. If you watch NXT, apparently NXT has been doing a bunch of fucking ninjas and shit. And uh, it was, they're like kidnapping cruiserweights or whatever. But that was supposed to have apparently been revealed like when um, uh, Phantasma's group was revealed or whatever. But apparently not. So the ninjas show up all on bikes. And the moment that the leader gets off of his bike, I instantly told myself, I was like, oh, look, it's Tozawa. And, <laughs> and like, as he's taking the mask, as he's taking the helmet off, I'm like, yep, it's definitely Tozawa. He takes it off. And, it's, of course, it's fucking Tozawa, which is weird because, like, Tozawa was, like, jobbing out on Raw. And then he was in the, the Cruiserweight um, tournament. 
Uh, and then he lost the Cruiserweight Tournament, of course. So it was weird kind of seeing him back on Raw. But, of course, this is all like Bruce Pritchard. Well, it was Raw SmackDown. This is a pay-per-view. Well, with Viking Raiders and them, they're with Raw. So. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, so this has to have been a Bruce Pritchard thing to make Vince McMahon laugh. But Tozawa fucking starts speaking in Japanese, and they have subtitles. They have the subtitles screen. for him, which is anything you could do, anything I could, we could you do. Could do could, I could do better. And well, we could do better because it's him and the ninjas, which yeah. is a reference to the whole thing of the fucking feud, which, again, why do these feuds need to have shitty subtext? I fucking hate it. I fucking hate these shitty match subtext. That's what's going to affect the main event when we talk about it. But anyways... So, so before they start fighting, the guy, is it Ivar or whatever the one that the, the women have been calling cute, fucking uses his Jedi Force power. Uses the Force, motherfuckers, Jedi mind tricks. To, Did you ever think we would see that shit? He gets a piece of chicken from the from wherever he dropped it from in the bushes. They all start fighting. It's like a, it was a karate movie scene. The first thing I thought of was the three ninjas without Hulk Hogan. Uh... Where they start talking? fighting. Ninjas get beat up, and then a fucking tall ass black dude dressed in a ninja outfit shows up. And at the time, I didn't know who the fuck it was. So I was just like, "Dang, who is this? Is this Titus or is this Shaq? Did they really bring Shaq in to dress up as a fucking ninja?" But then <laughs> I looked and it was like, "Nah, the way he's built, that can't be Shaq." So I was <laughs> like, "Man, it's gotta be Titus." They time-traveled, and they brought in 1994 Shaq to do a fucking match. But, uh... Ooh, motherfuckers. No, it's some guy from NXT who's like... There's a guy named Jordan Omagbahin, and uh, apparently he's like 7'3". He pulls out this fucking sword. Ivar and all the Vikings... They're like, oh, well, we can take him. And then no, it was one guy. That was the funny... That was a funny line to me, where he's just like, we can take him, he's got a sword. Like, no, you are like, nah, you out of your mind. They start running, they climb on top of a fucking semi, and they start fucking fighting again for no well, fucking reason. Yeah, they're fighting it for no reason, but you're forgetting that what made this alliance happen once these ninjas showed up is somehow, on some Mortal Kombat shit, they raise their hands of the gods, and Ford has a fucking red Solo cup in his hand. And, oh yeah, and there's like thunder and shit. And then like, a graphic even pops up that look, says Viking Prophets. I did not like Stadium Stampede because it was just too fucking stupid and silly for me with some of the shit they did. This was fucking stupid and silly. And it was just it made me laugh here and there, but at the same time I was like, dude, I cannot I wait. Think it for made this. us laugh of the what the fuckery of it, but not of like actual enjoyment. This was this was beyond dumb. They fight on top of the semi. They For all no get thrown to the dumpster. And there's like a monster in there or whatever. It's alligator. It's alligator. And it's a tail. And the ref- there's a referee that shows up. Of course, she does the whole, oh, you're cute, but you not so much line. Just like all the other referees had done. So and it just cuts right there. And that's it. Cuts that's right it. there. The tail comes, they cut. We don't even see him fully get out of it. We see like one or two of them get out of it. And then it says it cuts. And then they goes back to commentary and it says, oh, well, due to the events that uh, occurred, obviously. They're not doing the tag match. And I'm like, 
Thank God, because both Thank teams you. have been completely fucking ruined since coming to the main roster. Now, let me tell you this. I had put on Twitter, again, at official underscore HEC. I put, it's a good thing to see. Okay, it's good to see all the matches that us poor kids who couldn't afford to buy a toy ring and more action figures are finally having our visions on full display with these cinematic matches. <laughs> Hashtag WWE Backlash. If this match would have ended on like some Lego movie shit where it's just Bruce Pritchard playing on the table and fucking Vince McMahon walks up to him. Like if it's revealed that this match is all taking place in the mind of Bruce Pritchard and he's just playing with some fucking toys like a child and Vince is like, what the fuck are you doing? A la Lego movie. I would have, that, then this match would have instantly been five star classic. <laughs> if that's how it ended. But the way how it ended, like, oh wait, no, this is real. So in kayfabe-wise, you want us to believe that these motherfuckers... Want, first of all, if Ivar... I, th- I think that's the one. If Ivar has the fucking force, why is he not fucking WWE World Heavyweight Tag Team Intercontinental Champion? If, you, if you're using the force on motherfuckers, you better be able to bring that shit to the ring. I mean, even if they weren't trying to pass this off as... I don't know. It was just stupid regardless. I don't care how they tried to frame it. It was fucking it was retarded. Anyways, that now, I don't now it's time to discuss. Alright. So we are now at the main event. It went forty four minutes and forty five seconds. Uh Edge versus Randy Orton in the greatest wrestling match ever. Um it was not the greatest wrestling match ever, first of all. I think the greatest wrestling match ever, in my opinion. Don't even say your opinion. Me and you have already agreed on this. Undertaker have solely agreed. Taker versus Michaels, WrestleMania 25, not 26, is the greatest wrestling match. Not saying that 26 is bad because I think 26 was a a five star match, in my opinion, too. But I just like 25 more. Mm, That's that. I also think that the second greatest match ever, in my opinion, is Austin versus Rock at WrestleMania 17. Hey, that's mine. That's my list. It's that one. So, that's my second favorite match. Third favorite match. Uh, third favorite match for me is Guerrero versus Mysterio SummerSlam 05. Back when we thought Dom, that was going to be the only time we saw Dominic on our screens. Oh. Really? That one? Oh, okay. Well, I love that one, man. That's a fucking great match. <laughs> so, oh, this match was good. It just Mysterio, it, WrestleMania 20. So it was definitely two. nowhere up there. Um, but it was a really, really good match. Now, before the match started, the announcers, of course, give a disclaimer that we're gonna see enhanced audio. Uh, oh. Uh, other camera angles, just multiple tricks to make this the greatest match ever. And when they did that, I was like, why the fuck would you even give that disclaimer to begin with? That was the stupidest fucking thing you could have done. That was the stupidest shit they could have done, because then it makes it look heavily edited, and then that's what I ended up doing for the second time that I watched the match was, oh, let me see if I could see where they did the edits or see where they did the cuts. And then when they had done the piping of the crowd noise... I knew there was piping of the crowd noise for Edge's entrance because when Edge came out, they made that shit sound like if it was the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah, see, I wasn't. I'll be honest, I didn't pay attention to the announcers after 
after the match started, I didn't pay attention to the announcers. No, this was the audio, just the radio. And I didn't, radio. yeah, and I really didn't pay attention to like the crowd or the audio or any of that. Like, yeah, I heard the piped in cheers and shit, like at towards the end or whatever. But then none, none of that bothered me. None, none of it bothered me more than the announcers giving the disclaimer. And I know the reason they gave the disclaimer was simply because WWE touted this as the greatest match ever, and they had all these legends come and say how great the match is going to be and all this bullshit, and then when they got to it, they're like, well, fuck. Now what we got to do is tell them, hey, we know that we touted it as the greatest match ever, but we're going to tell you guys what we did to make it the greatest match ever just so you guys won't shit on it. Here's the thing, though. I don't think anybody would have shitted on that match because the match was already good. It was already fucking good. There was no reason for them to just be, ooh, we did shut, shut the fuck up, Vince. Shut up. Well, do you want to know something? So I know you don't keep up with their the YouTube content that WWE puts out, but they did this thing called Virtual Table for Three, and it was Mick Foley, Big Show, and Christian, and some host. So even though they called it Virtual Table for Three, there was four there. WWE logic. But anyways... Towards the end of it, uh, Big Show and McFoley are just like, wow, for these two to tout this match as like the greatest wrestling match, oh, that's a pretty incredible move, but they have the potential. And then when Christian's just like, hold on, hold on, guys, guys, uh, could we, did we, did anyone even, did either Edge or Norton even say that it was the greatest, gonna be the greatest wrestling match? And then it kind of felt like you could tell Big Show was putting him off to the side. And it kind of sounded like they had muted Christian's audio. And this was on the build-up to the match. So I was just like... And I had heard the rumors already that Edge was highly annoyed by the fact that they had sold the match like this. I mean, if you're Edge, you got to feel they bad. They both were. They, they were both... They both apparently got a text that said, hey, this is how we're going to build y'all's match. And they both thought it was a joke. They both was like, yeah, okay, sure. And then it was built that way, and they See, both that's got why you don't say, Yeah, okay, sure. To Vince, you fucking let him know. No, sir. No, sir. But they, no. they, they, they thought he was joking. They thought that somebody was trying to play a joke on them, and it, it, it turned out not to be a joke, and they both got mad. I mean, Orton was like, yeah, give me a break. He made it vocal on Twitter. So did Edge. Edge made it vocal on Twitter, too. Like, they both were. Because uh, that's so stupid. Why would you bring Edge back? Give him a singles match after nine and a half years and then be like, hey, Edge, we're going to build your return singles match. Not the last man standing match, not a gimmick match, but a, your return singles pure wrestling match. Well, you got to feel bad for Edge, match too, ever. You have to feel bad for Edge, too, because everybody agreed simultaneously, kind of looked at each other in the eyes and kind of nodded that Edge versus Orton was probably the worst match in Mania this year. No. It went on way too damn long. I can't yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't the worst match. I'm what sorry. Was the, what was the worst match on Mania? On Mania this year? Corbin and Elias. Ooh, you're right. You're right. All right. So simply on Corbin and Elias. There I liked Edge versus Orton at Mania. I mean, I don't know. Edge versus Ed Orton was at Mania. It was too damn It was long. Long. It was damn it. slow. Whereas this one went smoothly and you couldn't even feel the fucking runtime. At WrestleMania, you felt that runtime. I took a nap. I had to rewatch that match because I took a nap and legitimately napped through it. And I thought it was a short nap, but then no, apparently I had napped for 45 straight fucking minutes. 
like I, once it hit the Chris Benoit spot is what I like to call it when they had wrapped the fucking cable weight cable around Edge's neck as soon as Dark Side of the Ring came out I guess an homage to Chris Benoit I guess as soon as they did that spot I was like what the fuck but then I had fallen asleep and just passed out and then rewatched it and when I rewatched it oh my god dude it was long like I just couldn't even continue watching it I was making stuff in the kitchen and had the shit playing on my laptop but that match was way too long. And, yeah, so if you're Edge, you know the criticism for your Mania match was high. A lot of people were even joking about it. Hell, on the uh, Something to Wrestle With podcast, when, like, some shit's going on, Conrad joked, oh, well, Edge Norton is still going on, everybody. Hold on. You know, because that was the whole joke about it. It took the Hillbilly Jim joke and took it as their own. Uh, but so if you're Edge... You get through that match. It's not what you wanted. You don't even have a crowd to return to. And then now WWE is saying that this next match that you have is going to be the greatest match ever. And you yourself might not even be fully confident in having a great match after what the fuck just happened. It was kind of some fucked up shit. So if you're Edge, I can understand. And it's before... I don't know if you, since you're the host, you want to get into this aspect of it. But... This is the last match Edge is going to be doing for a while. Well, we don't know that for sure. For a while. Didn't say it was his last match ever, but for a while. Well, he's only contracted to three matches a year, and he's already had his three matches. He had the Rumble, and he had the two Orton matches. Um, But, yeah, so if you, for people who don't know, let me go with the match first. So the match, like I said, it went over almost close to 45 minutes. Um, Orton won by punting Edge in the head after they've done RKOs and Spears and Pedigrees and Rock Bottoms and Angle Slams. Uh, and I want to say those were like the only like moves that they and the three did as amigos. far as um, – what, what was it? And the Three Amigos. Oh, yeah, and they both did the Three Amigos. Um, but, and they, you know, and like I said, there was some piped in crowd noise and there was, um, some, uh, weird, they did the lock up and they did the camera angle underneath and then they did a, uh, like, like a, another camera angle that showed from above, like how they do. Which is not a new camera angle. Any long time WWE fan knows that. So that's the one that Bruce Pritchard nicknamed the Wally Coyote one. But that's the camera angle that I used to love when I was a kid. The one where they're climbing up the ladder and you see them from the fucking top fall down. No, no, no. no. I'm not saying that's the new one. I'm talking about from the lockup. The other yeah, the one. Lockup is the new one. That's the, the other one has been done they're trying in, to say in the other, other ladder matches and shit like that. Well, no, WWE. Uh, that other one from the top was a new angle, but any longtime WWE fan like me and you were talking about before like, airing this that like no y'all had that one stop trying yeah. to lie. Like this wasn't a, a cinematic match, but they tried to you know just throw in some shit here and there just to make it look pretty or whatever. Uh, I think the best part for me was at the beginning they had uh, the voiceover of Howard Finkel do the introductions and then they had Charles Robinson in his old uh, referee gear from WCW. Um, they had the MSG logo on the microphone that did the Howard Finkel uh, introductions as well. So yeah, just all those kind of small touches were cool or whatever. Um, so apparently with Edge, 
the reason Hector says he's going to be out for a while. So apparently the story is they did the match. They did the whole entire fucking match. And when they were done with the match, Vince had them do reshoots. And then they had them do an, another entire match again. Uh, and with so many reshoots and shit like that, uh, they are edged apparently like fucking tore his triceps. And he was working the reshoots with a torn tricep or whatever. Uh, and apparently, so the timetable for torn tricep is four to eight months. And I've seen reports saying that he's going to be out for four months. I've seen reports saying he's going to be out for 12 months. I've seen reports saying he's going to be out for eight months. No one knows. WWE put out a, uh, like, a presser uh, or whatever saying that he underwent surgery and the surgery was well or whatnot. They Apparently, for some reason, I don't know what the reason was, like they usually do for all their other injured stars, they did not say how long he was going to be out for. Uh, the match was taped like a week in advance, so I'm pretty sure they already know all the details as to when he is going to return, and they just didn't say it. My guess, because they already used the whole Christian storyline so soon, he's not going to be out that long. I think they're going to try to – I think because Randy Orton's gone – my guess is Orton faces Drew at SummerSlam and Edge returns at SummerSlam to cost Orton the match. That's my guess. Because they already did the, the Christian. They're not going to do the Christian thing for no reason. They're not going to sit there and have Orton take Christian out and, and then Edge come back and just be like, and eh, well, you know, Orton beat me and took out Christian, but I'm going to move on and face somebody. No, they're not going to do that. Oh, well, that's – you know, you know why they're going to do that. So that they can bring back Gangrel next week. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think about it, like, on the way up to this build they did, he took out Matt, and now he took out Christian. Like, I I think they do one more match, and it could be possibly for the fucking title. They could have Orton beat Drew for the belt, and then have Edge face Orton at, like, Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble or whatever, and he could win the belt. Like, that is a huge possibility. Vince loves putting the fucking belt on part-timers, especially right now because they really are they're only in one fucking venue. So, like, it can fly now. And, you know, it doesn't really matter if who, well, who talk, misses. Let's talk about something that uh, when I had broke down, for one, I don't know why, out of all the Howard Finkel recordings they use, they put the one where he doesn't say Missouri properly. He says Missouri. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. I noticed, no, I noticed that, you know, I, I noticed the first time I was like, out of all the Howard Finkel recordings, y'all know this man and put the one where he says Missouri instead of Missouri. But, uh, yeah, they did the MSG thing. But when they did the pipe noises and some of the pipings on the spots, that kind of took me out of it. Especially when I heard that this was pre-taped and live, because it makes me think of, like, Vince... In the background, sitting on a fucking... You know that little balcony that they showed us that they had on WrestleMania? Yeah. It made me think that Vince was sitting on a fucking director's chair with the megaphone. And then, like, Edge had came out the first time. The crowd cheered. And then he tells Edge, go back in the fucking gorilla position. Do that chant louder for Edge, goddammit. <laughs> like, he was just getting more pissed and pissed. So I don't like the fact that they had to do the reshoots. And the fact that Edge got injured off a reshoot... Should feel bad. And then honestly, 
I had told you this when we were on our way to do a practice because I had said this from day one when he returned at the Royal Rumble. Um, I don't think Edge should be back. I, you know, I, I know he wants to finish his career on his way, but I don't think he should be back because this torn tricep, man, that could have been worse, but luckily it's just that. But when he was coming I mean, when he that came can happen to Rumble, anybody. He was doing that duck. When he was doing what I like to call the tornado drill bump, where you're holding your head and already anticipating landing or falling, uh, you could see this bump when ECW invaded Raw and they uh, those two tag those two tag team guys attacked that one guy on the soundstage where he already had his hands behind his head. When Edge was doing those type of bumps at Royal Rumble, I was already worried because I'm just like, oh shit, this guy is too injured. And then when I saw that he signed a full contract, I'm like, man, why'd you do that? Then the match at Mania happened. Then it was way too slow-paced. This match restored my faith in Edge. But on the other hand, after hearing that he got hurt by it, which, by the way, fuck you, Sean Ross Sapp, reporting this shit before the match even is done. Could have let us... Could have at least waited for the match to be over before you reported it. I mean, Brian Alvarez, every, it was reported everywhere. It was reported everywhere. The result result of the match was reported on ESPN three hours before the show started. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Oh, fuck. God damn it, kayfabe is dead. No, but, uh, well, no, it is dead. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. This one kind of made me give up on Edge, to be honest. And I'm not trying to be a dick. And I'm not trying to say, like, oh, you're not a fan of Edge. No. Like, I, I was a fan of Edge, you know. The only time I, the only real reason I was mad at Edge as a kid was only because he was fucking Lita, and you know that was my childhood dream. But <laughs> but other than that, uh, yeah, like I feel like Edge. I don't know, man. I, I feel like I don't know if Beth Phoenix is talking to him about that or how that's gonna go. But yeah, that uh, that uh, that man. Look, injuries like- injuries happen. Edge signed to a three year deal, oh. three matches a year. He did a fantastic job in the match, you know, like if any and also if anyone ever shits on Randy Orton again, you guys can go to hell. Orton f- fucking held his own. Orton's a fucking fantastic wrestler. Both guys did a fantastic job. Orton is back in like to his sort of psychotic slash mixture of legend killer mode right now. And I'm loving it. Um. Uh, I hope they get a rubber match. I mean, if they don't, then you know, it's whatever. If Edge is going to be out that long, then it could be just set up for the long game where Orton does win the title, and we get a rematch at WrestleMania next year for the title between them two. Edge could turn and fucking win the Royal Rumble. Um, oh, something else I got to mention this is important. Uh, last thing, when I had brought this up in the previous matches, the final straw for me to where I was starting to mute the fucking match was God... Damn it, I hated the commentary on this match. When they were bringing up spots and they were doing moves of like certain people as an homage to, I understand that's amazing, that's great, you know, but I hate when matches make it obvious. You know how some of the best homages in wrestling are? The ones where you don't notice, the ones where somebody else has to break it out to you, the one where somebody has to point it out to you. If I was a fan and I saw that Three Amigos spot without, I would have enjoyed it more than with fucking Tom Phillips trying to constantly be like, oh, shades of Eddie Guerrero or shades of somebody else or shades of this. 
And it got to the point where I got on Twitter and I got so fucking annoyed and so pissed off at that. I said, someone's going to get pinned at the end of this match and Tom Phillips is going to say Shades of the Brooklyn Brawler. or And he could have said Shades of Al Snow or Shades of Heath Slater. Because holy fuck was it annoying where he kept on saying, oh, Shades of da-da-da or oh, this is going to be like the matches between blah, 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 blah. If your commentary, your goal is to hype up that fucking match that you are watching right now. Any homages you don't bring up unless it's pivotal to the story. And that's like, okay, the Triple H pedigree one, okay, it was pivotal. But I fucking hate it when commentary brings up other matches when I'm currently watching another match. That's distracting in the worst way. Because now you got me thinking about another match. It got to the point where I was ready to grit my teeth. Because I swear to God, if they did any Undertaker moves or Shawn Michaels moves and tried to compare it to, to their WrestleMania 25 matches, I would have turned off my fucking phone. Because I, when I had saw it live. And I probably would have turned off the fucking TV and I probably wouldn't have even rewatched it. Because I hate when commentary unintentionally shits on their own match that they're watching right then and there. Because they're talking about other matches instead of talking about the match right then and there. And when you're talking about other matches, you sound like a distracted child who's on their phone watching instead of actually physically watching the match. So I fucking hate that. I don't know if that's Corey Graves getting fed lines or Tom Phillips getting fed lines. But I really, really hate when that shit happens. What was your opinion on that? I, I've learned to tune out the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really have like I don't remember the commentary from this show at all the only time I remember was them saying ladies and gentlemen we are about to watch the greatest match ever and then when they had to fucking like uh shit on the match explain what was gonna happen that was it like other than that I I didn't hear shit I didn't hear anything during and uh, part of it is probably because I watched it from my phone, and one of the, my speakers is blown out on my phone, so I really didn't hear that much anyway. But and that's probably why I enjoyed what I saw so much because I didn't, I couldn't hear shit. I couldn't hear shit. the fuck commentary. That was good for you, sir. That was good for you. But like, okay, behind the curtains, obviously I'm the host of this house's podcast, but I'm going to college for uh, fucking communications, public broadcasting, so. I'm a, I'm a big fan of learning this shit, and I'm a big fan of watching this. I mean, fuck, man. When I was a kid playing with my fucking action figures, I would imitate Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler commentating fucking matches that I would do with my toys and shit, and I would watch the movies, pay attention to that, or tell stories on my own. So I fucking hate... So it's something that I'm very passionate about and that I wish I'd get the opportunity. Now, after hearing what the fuck happened tomorrow, Ronaldo, probably not, you know, probably not want to do it now. Now hearing that you got to get piped in what to say and get told what to do, to and da da da, but I feel like commentary is such an important part of the match, and it just gets shittier by the wayside, and it just doesn't sound as interesting as much. Like, and I watch old WWE because between me and you and everybody listening to this podcast, I feel like even when I watch AEW, man, Jim Ross, Jim Ross is slipping on commentary compared to what I used to fucking hear. And no, and I thought, oh man, was this commentary always like this? No, it wasn't. When I would watch Attitude Era or Ruthless Aggression, and he sounded like a fucking fan who was interested in it and fully. And in AW, there's so much new shit going on that I don't even feel like Jim Ross keeps hold of it. So that's why he kind of sounds as disinterested I, and as disingenuous. I love Jim. I love Jim Ross right now. I love every. I think Jim Ross is still the best 
Dude. Yeah, no, like, he's still the, the best. fact that he doesn't know. So when he sits there and he's like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, what do you call that? Like he sits there and it's so organic. It's not fucking uh, 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 produced or have somebody like in their headset. He sits there and he doesn't know. So he'll ask like his 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 the his colleagues or if Shivani doesn't know, he'll ask. Like it's so. Yeah, I like when Jim so Ross asks though because it kills the image of Jim Ross being that all-knowing type guy. So I feel like that's some shit he should probably ask the talent beforehand or things beforehand. Or if not, just keep it. it to them. And then there's also the thing when JR was part of booking where there was this joke going on on the internet where everybody was just like, I kind of wonder if these ma- – where the joke was you could probably tell which match was booked by Jim Ross by him not signing that surprise by the outcome. And even Ross has said it himself. He's a better commentator when he doesn't know what the fuck's going on, which is true. When it's a match where he doesn't know what the fuck's going on, it's amazing commentary because it's genuine because it's a guy who doesn't – know what's going on who sees it as a fan because he's just like us jim ross in my opinion will always be the greatest commentator all right i love him i I think i think right now and he was always good but i think now i think aw's commentary team is the only commentary team that i can listen to while watching wrestling because it's so organic they they match so fucking well together when jr sees something that he doesn't like he makes a smart ass remark. I love it's, that. I love that. But it's, it's just fucking it's, fantastic. They're the best commentary wrestling team like right now at this point. Cause the NXT team sucks, SmackDown team sucks, and the Raw team sucks. You know when AEW had great commentary for two weeks, and you know when that was? Do you want to know when that was? Really? Because I think they've had great commentary for the past year. No, they've had great commentary when it was just Jim Ross on the phone, but when they had really solid, great fucking commentary that I loved, and that's when they had two of my favorite commentators, it was Jim Ross and Taz. That has been my favorite fucking commentary duo, Jim Ross and Taz. Love Jim Ross and I love Taz. Fuck, man, even, and we talked about this in the vehicle too, where Michael Cole is a good commentator when he's not being force-fed shitty lines to say. Like, I remember watching... I watch old episodes of SmackDown, and him and Taz had a fucking great time. They sounded like they were having a good-ass time. And when our commentators sound like if they're having a good-ass time and not actually enjoying what the fuck's being presented, then it's amazing. I don't like this slideshow shit where I feel like I'm going to a college seminar and these motherfuckers are professors talking to us during a match. And I also don't like when some guy sounds like if he just sniffed a fucking line of cocaine and is going to try to oversell everything. Looking at you, Mauro Ronaldo. Don't get depressed and kill yourself over this, buddy. All right? Because I know you got that weird-ass depression-type shit. So that's, I ain't trying to... That's wrong, because that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I ain't trying to piss you off, buddy, but I could sometimes understand why JBL did what he did. <laughs> I can't. JBL's a fucking dick for the way you treated him. <laughs> I, 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 I watched, after watching do not in your agree house, with JBL at all. After watching In Your House... I cannot justify what this man... It's like, I cannot justify this man's actions, but I could understand why. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I can't justify nor understand. I think that's... You watched NXT. You watched it, didn't you? I watched NXT more than I watched anything else, yeah. How many times are you going to hear fucking Mauro Nalo over scream shit and then try but to go... Yeah, I mean, I understand. He 
definitely he's always gotten on my nerves. He's I, tries I still to be, think, he tries to be wannabe Jim Ross. That's I still exactly. think he is the best commentator the best commentator they have and within that whole company. But he gets annoying. He's all he's always so hype and always at a ten when there's times or like the match doesn't call for him to be at a ten. He should build it up as the show goes on. But I think he's He's definitely better than JBL. Let me put it to you like this. Far ahead better than Booker T. When everybody wants to like make fun of Jim Ross, they'll say, by God. But when you actually watch like a broadcast or shit, like you actually hear him scream that shit or, oh my God, maybe once or twice a match. Same with Joey Styles. He'll only say that shit maybe once or twice a match. Joey Styles is terrible as a commentator. Oh man, don't you shit on Joey Styles. Okay, you could you could shit on his conservative beliefs, but don't shit on him, his commentary, man. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, Mauro Ronaldo though will try to force feed Mamma Mia so much into you that again, that I literally I literally start to like I feel like paying JBL five bucks. I mean, the table. Does he though? <laughs> like the crowd chants it. He got that. You know, he, he it got over that it's a chant now. Like, I don't I know. I won't be chanting that shit. He says that shit in every fucking match. I think he said it every... T- Let's go through every match. Let's go rewatch TakeOver in your house. And I'm going to go with the fucking notepad and make tally marks. And next podcast we do, I'll bring it and I'll present to you the score. Of how I don't many even times- think I've seen TakeOver yet. I think I only saw... I mean, not TakeOver. Uh, no... It was TakeOver In Your House, wasn't it, or NXT In Your House? Yeah, TakeOver In Your House. Yeah, I, I ain't even seen it. I saw bits and pieces. Okay, watch that shit and listen to the commentary. Oh, my God, you're going to get a fucking headache. Well, like, he does it on every show, so I know I know what you're talking about. But Exactly. That's why, That's why. like I said, I cannot justify JBL's actions. I cannot justify. Keyword, justify. But I could understand. I can't justify <laughs> nor understand, so... I could understand why JBL would get annoyed with him. I, the I, fact- think, I think the way JBL said uh, that he's just fucking retarded. Well, well, yeah, but again, people don't don't attack me, all right? Just These are just jokes. Marwanella's not going to... Marwanella doesn't give a fuck. He's not listening to my shit at all. He's not listening. Anyways... Before we end this, I want to talk about Impact Wrestling real quick. Uh, it says Impact Wrestling has confirmed that at least one former world champion will be returning at Slammiversary. Tonight's episode of Impact ended with another teaser for Slammiversary. We continue to follow the ongoing story of the 20-plus professional wrestlers okay, uh, so who were released from their contracts two months ago. The news anchor and the teaser said... Reliable sources have just informed us that at, at least one former world champion. By the way, they teased Drake Maverick in the first teaser, and that obviously didn't happen. Uh, will make his return to Impact Wrestling on Saturday, July 18th. Uh, it's so there's the teaser or whatever. Now it says EC3 was one of those superstars included in the video. On tonight's episode of Impact, his old theme music played after Moose retained the TNA. World Heavyweight Championship against Hernandez. Not apparently not the Impacts. Now they're doing both. They're doing TNA and Impact. It's oh fuck me stupid. with the side of mayonnaise. What the fuck? It says, TNA and Impact. It says so- the commentators acknowledged that it was EC3's music and said that Moose recognized it. 
Moose has been calling himself the TNA World Champion since bringing the belt back at Rebellion in April. So there is a TNA World Champion and an Impact World Champion. Tessa Blanchard is the Impact World Champion and will defend her title against Michael Elgin, Eddie Edwards, Ace Austin, and Trey Miguel in a five-way match at Summer at Slammiversary. If she beats four dudes at once, I'm going to be so mad. They need to take that belt off her already. Take well, the, the fact f- that they gave her that belt in the first place shows this company is doing anything for clout at this point. We made a women a world champion. Pay attention to us, guys. And by the way, my problem is not the fact that they had a woman as world champion. That's my problem. They didn't have anybody believe, but it's the fact that they didn't have anybody believable. Like when WWE was talking about giving China the belt, I could understand why China, because China is one of those figures. Like, like let's say if Amanda Nunes came to a wrestling company and they gave her the title, I could understand that because that literally sounds believable. Amanda no, Nunes is fucking destroying people. There's a men's anyway, division. There's anyways, a women's division. Keep intergender matches away from fucking wrestling. We'll have it's a separate conversation. We'll have a separate conversation on that subject matter later. But any or for another podcast. But anyways, first let's go back to that now. But my problem is that they gave her that title after she was already dealing with all that racism shit going on. So she probably doesn't believe in Black Lives Matter. Let's let's be honest. She's the daughter of certain Blanchard, so, you know, they probably didn't think that well of colored people. But anyways, uh, so now that they announced that shit, so it's most definitely going to be EC3 then. Uh, Everybody thought that it was going to be Rusev, but I guess not, so we'll see where Rusev goes. But here's the weird part. I'm surprised that, I mean, Zack Ryder and... Kurt Hawkins made a good point in being pissed at Zach at a fucking Cody Rhodes for saying, well, I don't want AEW to look like it's just a company that was run hey, by. Hey, Hector. What? We're going we're gonna to have to cut this short. We're going to have to cut this short. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta get off of this real fast. We'll continue this in another episode. All right, no problem. Um, Let's cut it off. EC3 is definitely coming back to Impact. Hopefully you can put motherfuckers in ankle locks and have them pass out. Yeah, so thank you to Hector for joining me on the podcast, and uh, we'll pick it up next, uh, probably by the end of the week. Um, We can talk about NXT or something. So uh, we'll see y'all in the next one. Yeah, have a good one. Peace. Official underscore HEC. Bye.